Hello and welcome to the Book of John, the podcast series. I'm Brianna Segrist, and we're traveling together through the Gospel of John so that we can see for ourselves who Jesus really is, so that we can know him for ourselves in our own lives. Today we're continuing on in John chapter 21. John chapter 21 is the last chapter of the book of John, which means that in these 90-something podcasts, we've already moved through the entire book of John. I wonder if you've been along with me the whole time or if you're just starting. If you have been going through with me, you know that, oh, well, I have really enjoyed, you know, kind of taking out and dusting off some of these elementary truths about who Jesus is and what what the Bible actually says about him and kind of reaffirming to myself this is what I believe about who God is and what the Bible says I also have found myself kind of wrestling with some things and some elements of my faith in these in these podcasts you've probably heard trying to decide you know trying to kind of um shed some light on some areas that may have been hazy or shaky in my faith. And I wonder if you have been doing that too. I wonder if you today feel as if you don't have a solid footing in your faith. If so, you are in good company. The truth is that our relationship with the Lord is a journey. It is a growth. It is like, it is like everything that's organic. It is growing and ever in a state of kind of flux. I think very often of the parable of the seeds in the garden and think of our own hearts as growing in faith and the seeds growing up in us. And I think of how some days are stormy and some days the wind blows and some days the plants look a little battered, but other days the sun shines and the plants get stronger and the gardener comes in and pulls out a few weeds. And that is like our own hearts are. We can't expect every day to look like the Queen's manicured English garden, but we can expect that if we keep in the light of the Lord, if we keep being watered by the word, if we keep seeking after him, our garden will eventually produce really good fruit and will be pleasing for us and for the Lord for the rest of our lives. So as we get into the last of this book of John, Uh, the last chapter, John chapter 21, we've already talked about Jesus dying and Jesus rising from the dead. And now I want to talk to you about what he had, what happened afterwards. Jesus appeared to his disciples. He didn't just rise from the dead and nobody saw him. But the, remember the last, the last episode I was talking to you about John's testimony and how John was giving testimony for people who were not there. And he's continuing to give testimony here. Only now he's kind of giving, um, additional testimony and almost kind of secondhand testimony. He's saying, I was not the only one who saw him. Peter wasn't the only one who saw him. Even Mary wasn't the only one. Even just the 12 disciples weren't the only ones, but many of us saw him. But before we even get into this testimony of what Jesus did after he rose from the dead, I want to go back and kind of review a little bit. So Jesus came, he was, according to the Bible, born of a virgin, prophesied, you know, he was identified and kind of pre, uh, what's the word? Like he was introduced by John the Baptist in a lot of ways. And then when Jesus came, we see that all throughout the book of John, he was teaching people. He was healing the sick. He was 
claiming to be the son of God. He was claiming to be the bread of life. He was claiming to have come from heaven, to have existed before Abraham. He did all of these things and then he went to his death. And the book of John doesn't actually explicitly say during the chapter on his death that like, for instance, Je Jesus dies in, I believe it's chapter 19. And during the narrative of Jesus's death, it's, it's not like John explicitly says the words, Jesus died for our sins. He doesn't say that in those chapters, but he does way back in. Remember, remember in chapter three, when Nic Nicodemus comes to him at night? Well, he, I want to go back and kind of um, read that a little bit for just a minute. John, John wrote a long, kind of a long um, narrative here or um, a long recording of what Jesus told to Nicodemus. And we get this from here. We get this famous verse, John three sixteen. And I want to read to you this passage of what Jesus said. Now, this is long before Jesus dies, at least a year or two before he dies. This is what Jesus says about his own death. death. Here you go. John chapter three, verse 14, just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed. So the son of man is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish, but be given eternal life. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So no, everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved son. This is, this is the, the point of the story. You know, Jesus came into this world and he died. And the reason why he died is because he was paying the price for us. There's another verse in the New Testament in the book of first John chapter two, where it talks about this more explicitly. Let me read that to you. Actually, I'm sorry. It's John chapter four, first John chapter four. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That word propitiation. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's a huge word that basically means he came to atone for us. He came to please God instead of us. We were not pleasing to God, but Jesus pleased God in our place. And this is really the work of the cross. This is why he died. I know that it looks the story, the bare bones story are just that he was arrested and killed by the 
by the Pharisees and the Roman authorities. But the truth is that Jesus Christ chose to die. He could have at any time, as he testified to Pilate, he could have at any time chosen to walk away, to say, never mind. Even in the garden, we can see that he prayed, Father, let me not do this, but your will and not mine. He was basically saying right there, affirming that he didn't have to do it, but he was choosing to do it to please the Lord. Now, that being said, what does this say? What does this actually say? What does the Bible say about what this means for us? What does his death mean for us? His death means for us that we are pleasing to God. We have his righteousness, even when we have done nothing to earn it. In fact, always we have done nothing to earn it. The thing is that when the Bible talks about what salvation is and what it means to be saved, we, we, we use a lot of, we throw around a lot of terms in the church, like salvation by faith and faith alone and grace and all of these words that are kind of assumed to be understood. But let me make it very clear. In case you have been unsure yourself, this is the bare bones of the story. God in heaven, seated on the throne, created everything, created the entire universe, all of the galaxies contained within the universe, all of the supernatural world that has ever existed all of the spiritual world that has ever existed. And then he created the earth. And on this earth, he put man. The Bible says that he put man here and told us to have dominion over the earth, told us to live here. The truth is that we don't know explicitly why he chose to do that. Why did God do this? All we know is that that's what he told us to do. And he gave mankind one command in the beginning don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we all know that in the very beginning, our ancestors, our heritage, our mother and father originally chose to disobey God and do things their own way. And when they chose to do that, they rebelled against God on high. And ever since then, every single person has continued to choose that. Every single person since Adam and Eve, the original created people, have chosen to completely rebel against God, go their own way, do their own thing. And thus, because of our rebellion, we are out of community with God, with God on high who is perfect and holy, full of love, full of mercy, full of goodness, basically the satisfier of our souls, the author of our hearts. And God in his mercy wanted to make a way for us to be reunited with him, to be restored to the beautiful relationship that we were originally created to have. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go and pay the blood price, to go and die the death that we earned through our rebellion. 
You know, when Adam and Eve first ate from the tree of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord God said, don't eat it or you will die. And ever since then, every sin that we've ever committed, every sin, every single time that we have chosen to disobey God, to do what is wicked, to go in a way that is away from the Lord, we have all, we have also earned death. And so when Jesus came and died, the reason why he had to die was because he had to die those deaths that we earned. But because he was absolutely perfect, because he never sinned, because he came from the Father and willingly laid down his life, an innocent, innocent lamb, his blood paid the atonement for everybody. His blood, the Son of God, was worth so much that it could pay the cost, pay the fine, pay the blood price for every single person who had ever lived who had sinned, which is all of us. That is the story of the redemption. That's the story of the propitiation of the atonement. That is the story of who Jesus is. Now, if you want to read the book of John and try to find just a good teacher, you won't find very much great information. Honestly, in the book of John, Jesus comes saying, I'm the bread of life. Come down from heaven. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. He comes down saying a lot of things that are not very useful in today's society unless you believe John's testimony that Jesus was the son of God who came from the heaven to pay the price for our sins. Now, what does the Bible actually say about this? What does it say about what it, about how he paid the price for our sins? Well, let's see. In the end of the last chapter we read, John chapter 20, it says, John puts a side note in. He's talking to you personally and he says, all that is recorded here is so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the son of God, and that through your faith in him, you will experience eternal life, eternal life by the power of his name. So what does this mean for us? What are we supposed to do with this? It means we are supposed to choose to believe. We're supposed to hear this story Hear this testimony from John and say, yes, I believe this. I believe that this story is true, that everything John wrote is really true, that Jesus came and said these things and that he died and that somehow his death makes up for my sin and puts me in right relationship with God Almighty. This is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to choose to believe that Jesus the Christ was really the Son of God. You know, whenever I talk about this, it reminds me of, in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas are in prison. And there's a couple of things that happen. And at some point, the jailer comes running out and says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is what Paul answers. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and you will be saved, you and your household. And that is really the answer. What? How are we saved from our sins? We believe. We believe that God loved us enough to send the good gift of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something that might seem a little crazy, but last night, last night I had a dream about somebody in my life who's a little, uh, having a rough time. And in my dream, she was really just going berserk. She was throwing things and really angry and frustrated and and just saying, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, everything's terrible. And in my dream, in real life, I can be a little intimidated by this person. But in my dream, I walked over and wrapped my arms around her and said, the only thing that's required of you is that you believe that God loves you, that you believe that God is on your side. And this I woke up feeling like this is the deepest truth of Christianity. The deepest truth of Christianity is that we don't have to do anything. That we have been restored because God loved us. Because God sent his son for us. Because Jesus looked down at us and decided that we were incapable of doing anything to help ourselves. So he came to help us. And I think that we get the most messed up when we start getting in all kinds of a bind about what we are supposed to do. We look at ourselves as complete failures. We look at ourselves as a mess. We say, how can God possibly be happy with me? And I'm not just say, saying before we're saved. But if you are Christian at, for any length of time at all, you probably know that this is how you feel after you're saved a lot of times. You get wrapped up in this lie that you're like, I am not, I'm a mess. I've completely failed God. I'm sure he's so disappointed in me. I can't figure this out. I can't fix this. I can't do anything. And we get all just completely bogged down with our own inability. When the truth is that God wants to show us how much he loves us. You know the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son is the story of a boy who takes his inheritance, leaves his father's home, and runs off and makes a mess of his life. And when he's run out of all of his money, he is in another city, hungry, living around pigs. And he says to himself, my father's servants live better than me. I should... I should go back and see if I can at least be his servant. This would, it would be better than this. And what happens? The father comes running down the road to that son. This, this is the truth in all of our relationships with the Lord. We, we, we aren't required we aren't required to bear these heavy burdens. We aren't required to do a long list of things to keep God happy. All we are required to do is turn ourselves back to the Lord and believe that he wants to run towards us with open arms. This is what we are commended for. This is faith. The unshakable belief that God 
loves me. He is on my side. That is what faith is. That is what actually saves us. Salvation is when we stand before the throne and say, Thank you, Father. You know that there's nothing I could have done, nothing that I could do to bring myself into relationship with you. So thank you that you made a way by sending your Son. That is faith. That is saving faith. That's what we're supposed to do with this. By believing in this We have salvation. We have eternal life. All of our sins are washed away and we are completely under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what this whole testimony is about. That's what the whole book of John is about, about who Jesus is. He was the gift of God sent from God, our father for us. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you have been fully walking with the Lord for, you know, 20 or more years. Or if you are just now discovering for yourself who Jesus is. Or if you are starting out on your walk with the Lord and you are glad to be saved and just figuring these things out. But wherever you are, I want to say to you, believe the truth that God so loved you. God so loves you that he didn't send someone to come and condemn you. He runs towards you with open arms. He wraps his arms around you and says, this is what's required of you to believe, to have faith that he is a good God He is on your side. He is favorable towards you. And yes, I know and you know that both of us, we don't measure up. We constantly fail. We constantly fall. We constantly somehow keep ending up with these habits and sinful actions that are embarrassing and frustrating to ourselves. We, we, we find ourselves living in this state where we are wanting to be like our father, but we are not yet. But the Lord does not condemn us. He doesn't condemn us any more than a father would condemn his little baby for trying to learn how to walk and talk. The father is endlessly patient with us, endlessly encouraging to us. And, and when I say this, I want to say to you that it may be that you, you don't have a great experience with your own earthly father, that you don't understand that you have experiences where he has deserted you or hasn't been faithful to you or hasn't been kind and hasn't been tender, hasn't been supportive. And so I know it is very difficult to wrap your mind around a perfect father who absolutely never does wrong. I know that is a hard thing. It is not an easy thing. But I think that this is the journey. The journey is learning to know him as that. Learning to believe that he really is that. 
really actually letting our hearts are the guards around our hearts drop down and open ourselves up to trust the Lord and say I believe you're with me I believe you're good this is the work we have on this earth it is to be here in the in the in between before glory and yet to still somehow grow in the in the faith that says i believe i know god is there and he is good and this is the testimony this is the bible this is the narrative the story that we have that is the rock solid foundation of our faith how do we know that there is a god who loves us and who is good to us because the bible tells us so the bible says jesus loves me that old song jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so this is why it's the bedrock of our faith because if we didn't know this story if we didn't know that god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son if we didn't know this then we would just kind of have an idea that maybe possibly there's a good god who made the beautiful things in this world but because we have this book that tells us this beautiful story of Jesus we don't have to we don't have to flounder around and guess we start with this we start with this truth Jesus Christ came from God he came and he died and he rose again that's the foundation of our faith and in another one of the gospels jesus tells the story of the wise man who builds his house on the rock and the winds come and the storms come but his house stands firm this is the bedrock of our faith that even when we even when everything we're we're we don't understand can get shaken it never goes down below that we always have this unshakable faith Jesus came and he died for my sins and therefore I know I know that whatever happens God is on my side and he wants good for me I realize that we haven't gotten any further today in the book of John but I didn't want to go any further today without really actually being explicit about this. This is the gospel. This is the truth of the entire book. Who Jesus is was the Son of God. And why he came was to come and testify to truth. And what is the truth? That God so loved us. That God is a good God who wants relationship with us this is the gospel the good news we are not orphans we are not alone God's not God's not willing that any of us should perish but he earnestly and desperately wants a relationship with us we're going to go through maybe a few more episodes as we finish up the last chapter of John because once Jesus rises again he teaches his disciples a few more things before he goes kind of giving them 
you know, what what does he say after he comes back? We, we're going to go into that. We just didn't get to it today. But I hope that you come back and I hope that you are blessed and I hope you are in, encouraged like I am today as you think about this. God bless you.